Welcome to Snape Chat, the voice of the Snape Dome, the podcast where we discuss all things Snape. Always. Join us as we dive into the world of the bravest man we ever knew in art, fanfic, meta, and more. This is Snape Centric with episode 15, where we discuss Snape and Lily, a pairing also known as Snilly. I'll be talking with authors Heather Lee and Snape Snail Tape about Seven Lily's relationship from the first interaction to Lily's legacy. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Snape Center. I'm here with Heather Lee and Snape's Snail Tape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Our topic for today is Snape and Lily. Heather Lee and Snail are both Snilly writers. So what is, is it about Lily that, or Snape and Lily, that appeals to you? Um, I'll let Snail go first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess in terms of why I like them as a ship, I think they fit a lot of the fictional tropes that I tend to like in a ship. I love the whole childhood friends thing. I love sort of the contrasting couple. There is something else that I usually say that I'm forgetting, but I... It just really fulfills me. I love stories where she sort of takes the lead in um, starting a relationship. And I love to see Severus loved, of course, because we don't we don't see much of that. Oh, in, so true. In canon, yeah. And I think she is one of the people who genuinely loved him and cared about him. And I love reading stories where maybe he doesn't make those same mistakes or they work their, they work their shit out. But I also like it because I think in canon, Lily ends up with James and I don't, I try not to do like a ship war thing, but it really does rub me the wrong way that she ends up with a guy who like treats her like that and seems to mostly just objectify her. And I like, I like it in, in Snilly that Sever, they're friends. And so Severus really appreciates her for who she is. And it's just something that I don't, I don't really see with her canon romance as much. Right. Yeah, I agree with all that. What you said about tropes, and I'm not not saying Snape is a beast, but there is an, a slight element of beauty and the beast to it, you know, because Lily is, the way she's presented, she's beautiful, she's popular, she's all these things, and he, in many ways unfairly, is basically an outcast, you know, and I love that dynamic, and I love that despite all the advantages she has, that she still sees the goodness in him and the humanity. And that's one thing I always say when people attack her, is that if she was that shallow, shallow, she wouldn't have been friends with him in the first place, and she certainly wouldn't have fought for it as long as she did. And I also, I strongly agree with Snape seeing her as herself and valuing her for things other than popularity or any of the more shallow things that James seemed to be attracted to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to get in a ship war either, but James sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> here, here. <laughs> to put it bluntly, and I understand that their their friendship fell apart. One of the reasons is because he wasn't really listening to her, but they weren't really listening to each other. So they're kind of in the same place on that. And but in other ways, he really did see her in ways that James did not. Like, you know, for me, a very strong issue with Snape and Lily versus Lily and James is the issue of consent. Absolutely. Because, you know, as much as it killed Snape, the moment she said, 
I want to be left alone. He left her alone. And James is the opposite of that. So, right. Yeah. Oh, well, see, this is such a good topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I've tried so hard not to go off on James, but I think that's one of the reasons that does attract us so much to Snape and Lily is, is because we see what she ended up with. And it's, you know, in, in various ways, it's, it, it does feel very degrading to him and to her as character. You know, but I, I love a lot of things about them. Most of all, I love what the thing with Snape and Lily, there's so much what could have been, you know, if one little thing had been different, if he'd acted slightly differently at that day at the lake, if he'd listened to her just a little more or vice versa, we don't know what would have happened or how great they could have become together. And that's heartbreaking and fascinating all at the same time. So, okay, let's kind of look at the, their first encounter. At, at the uh, playground, Snape is watching with greed. I, I hate that word. And she uses it twice. Do you really? Why? I think greed is not the right word. It just doesn't capture, I would say, longingly or something like that. Yeah. And that's probably what I would have used to. I love J.K. Rowling as a storyteller. But as far as a writer you know, technically speaking and choosing the right words, that's not always her biggest strength and that's okay, you know, but I agree. I would have used a different word. Yeah. Yeah. I think people latch onto that word and they think it makes him creepy or a stalker. When I, th- I mean, I think clearly he saw somebody who was like him and he was a lonely kid and he wanted a friend. And I don't think it's anything more than that really, or it's just the idea that like he was inherently predatory for loving her in any way, uh, just because of who he was that people always bring up. And I think that's awful because I'm sure that's something he did think about himself and it's, it's not true and it's so harmful. And I hate that people just consistently bring that up in critiques of his character as, as if it is, it is a moral flaw. You know what that is? That's pure projection because everything he ever did was the opposite of creepy. I mean, going back to what we said a few minutes ago, leaving her alone the minute she asked him to. That's the antithesis of creepy, you know? And and they also say that about him pining for her after she died. Well, that's not creepy either. That's beautiful and heartbreaking. And, you know, especially given the circumstances, would you say about somebody who felt they were responsible for somebody's death and they just got over him like two days later? Right. You know? I mean, anybody who truly loves another person would never get over that. No. Not a predator. I agree. No. <laughs> And yes, the nature of, of Snape's feelings are so fascinating. Yeah. I guess somewhere J.K.R. described it as a courtly love mm-hmm. that maybe maybe he loved her outright romantically or however before her death, but then afterwards it was more of an abstraction. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. In stories where Lily is alive, however, I love the romantic love and the sex and all of it. Yeah. yeah. It's very physical for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Because they're both such passionate people. I mean, it just, you, you jump to that conclusion. So, you know. Yeah. And you write it very well, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. So Snape walks up to Lily and says, I know what you are. You're a witch. Yep. <laughs> blunt and to the point as always yeah he just had no clue i don't think 
No, it didn't cross his mind that she'd be offended by that because to him, he's been raised to believe that witch is a good thing. I do think that draws an interesting contrast between their worlds because even though Snape has a muggle father, he still thinks witch is a good thing. And that to me shows that even before he goes to Hogwarts, he's somewhat sheltered from muggle realities. Yeah, I never really thought about that before, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, my headcanon is that that was something that Eileen used to comfort Severus when dad was being abusive. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You're you're magical and, you know, just telling him stories. Yeah, just wait till you get to Hogwarts. I have that in in my work in progress too. I think I read a post on Tumblr, um, so I don't know if this is really entirely my original thought, but you probably like held on to that idea that he was special to sort of get through the stuff with his father to if potentially he was bullied by the other muggle kids in town. Um, and that was th- such a good thing for him that he finally found someone like him and just did not even cross his mind that she could be offended by it. Right. And okay, when they're under the trees, it's obvious from what they're saying that it's not their first visit together. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, they've developed a friendship and everything. Yeah, Lily always struck me as a character who's deeply curious. So I would figure that she sought him out pretty soon after that first meeting. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, hungry to know what he meant. And she might have done it a little bit despite Petunia, too. I could see her doing that. (laughs) Yeah, especially if, well, I don't know. I'm sure she was being kind of nasty. That's (laughs) calling calling her a freak. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't enjoy that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I think that that was probably where they bonded the most. With their mutual frustration with the two. They're, oh, well, there's that. But but no, I just talking about Hogwarts and magical world and oh, there's this wizard jail and Dementors and yeah, and Severus is also he's cast. In that role as the knowledgeable one, he gets to share his knowledge and she's learning from him. And I think that was probably the first time in his life he got to feel like a teacher and authority, you know? Oh, yes. You know, and that's probably another way that she helped his self-esteem, that friendship did, because, you know, you know, with her, he didn't feel I don't want to say worthless, but kind of worthless. You know, I'm sure his dad treated him like that. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. But he had something to offer and something that was very important to her. And I'm sure that felt really good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's... What do you think, Snail? Yeah. I mean, I think I agree. I think that's some that's a moment where he, he felt like he had something to offer. And I think I think that's something that he might have struggled with sort of throughout their friendship is potentially the idea that he was like her charity case in some way. And in this sort of moment he is able to offer her something he's able to offer her that knowledge of Hogwarts and that really that hope of what was coming for them and um it's something that I'm not he might have struggled with not having that same sort of thing to offer later on even though I think she loved him for himself and I I think that that might have been something that he struggled to see just through the bullying and just everybody in his life constantly getting him down and saying he was worthless, his class, all that sort of stuff. Well, and she's the only person in his whole life who ever truly loved him aside from maybe his mother. 
you know, and I think that's the other thing that draws us to the ship is everybody else in his life. It seems like they either hated him or they wanted to use him for something. Right. Often both. I saw it phrased really well on Tumblr. I cannot remember the author, but it was, this is not me, (laughs) but they said that Lily was the one non-transactional friendship he had. And I very much agree with that. There's, even if he had sort of, and I'm sure, you know, he had um, certain relationships with colleagues. Like I love, I love stuff like that, thick like that. But at the end of the day, a lot of that was contingent on his being a spy. And we see when, you know, he kills Dumbledore, there's not a lot of people who, who trust him. I mean, I said, I said, almost haggard which is very interesting but anyway it's yeah it's everything is sort of contingent on his usefulness except for her she saw somebody who was like not materially useful and she saw that he was a worthy person of being loved and I really really love that yeah and it took a lot for her her to give up on him too which is another unique thing in his life I think Mm -hmm. that's true usually when he's rejected by people it's not necessarily his fault you know, I mean, it certainly wasn't his fault with the Marauders. They started that. Right. Yeah. But um, going back to the tree thing for a minute, mm-hmm. my favorite part of that whole scene is when she calls him Sev and he smiles. You know, oh, it makes my heart melt. Yes. yes. It's so humanizing. Mm-hmm. It's so humanizing. I know. He had someone who loved him enough to give him a nickname. And the fact that he's referred to as as Snape throughout the whole series because he's this like foreboding authority figure and this this person that you can't even think of as like a human being with real feelings and real like a- as a child really and the fact that he had somebody who loved him enough to call him Sev oh that just, it's a cute nickname too that just gets me too I agree uh, yeah yeah I love it yeah I've noticed that a lot of fans do that too they call him Snape instead of Severus and I think that's just habit of seeing it repeated so much in the book. But I always try to make a point to call him Severus because to me it's more personal, you know, more human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people say that. I I love the word Snape, so. It's a good word. I kind of switch I, depending yeah. on what I'm writing. I do too. Well, I, I I mean, when I write, yeah, when I write like a fic, I'll, I'll call him by his first name. But in terms of about writing about him, I kind of just switch back and forth. But if I'm calling... If I'm calling, for example, the Marauders by their first names, of course, I'm going to call him by his first name, too. And I don't know why that's that's something that people just distinguish between. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense with James, because you I mean, if you call both him and Harry Potter, it gets confusing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I've actually run into that, like in my own stories where I'm writing Snape's internal dialogue and he's like being pissy about both of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Potter Jr. Potter the Younger. Yeah, well, it's usually like Spawn of Potter. And, oh. you, know, <laughs> you know, that's the one of the fun things about writing Snape is you can get real dramatic with your prose and it, it still makes perfect sense. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's a great thing about him. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that really turned me on to it when I first started writing him. I was like, wow, I can be very proper with my English. And it won't seem out of character because I was always an English nerd. So how about how he got along with Petunia or didn't? (laughs) That's that's one of my favorite. I mean, you don't see much of it in the books, but, you know, just in general, like in my stories, I've put multiple scenes between him and Petunia for different reasons. And they are so much fun to write because you can just picture them 
going at each other and sniping at each other and being so sarcastic. And he always ones up one ups her. And it's just <laughs> it's kind of weird with Petunia because she's not one of those characters I hate. I mean, I know she did a lot of crappy things, but in some ways I can't help feeling sorry for her, you know? I mean, I don't hate her the way I hate like James Potter or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never written anything with them in a relationship with like Snape and Lily in a relationship, but I think that would be a really fun premise or maybe she, um, so that kind of makes them try to get along and they just get all passive aggressive with each other. Cause I know they could, they could both bring the punches for that, but I have written one thing where they're little kids and it's from Petunia's perspective. And yeah, I, I do. I don't think, you know, she's a great person, but I do, I feel bad for her because I can't imagine being like knowing that magic exists and I can't access it. And, and my sister can, and she finds somebody who's more like her and maybe Petunia's feeling a little replaced. And is, I, I understand that. I almost think she might sort of stop feeling like she has something to offer Lily the way that Severus starts feeling like he does. Oh, absolutely. That's a good observation. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> but you're right. If I was in Petunia's position, I'd be real salty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be pissed. <laughs> Because, I mean, you had to, I mean, she had to have already been jealous of Lily. I mean, just, you know, by virtue of being prettier and more outgoing and all those different things, just muggle things and then magic on top of it. Yeah. I mean, you already get, you know, when your parents have another kid, you already get, well, I don't get all the attention now. So I can't even imagine how the whole magic thing just exacerbated that. And you feel like sometimes your parents are favoring the younger kid and stuff like that. And then the whole magic thing happens. Forget about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've only written uh, Snape and Petunia interacting as adults. <laughs> okay. In some ways that's more fun. Oh yeah. I, I can imagine the, the sniping. <laughs> yeah. So usually in those, does Snape or Severus have, he knows how he, how Harry's been treated. Yeah. He has more reason to be mad about it in one story than the other, because in one of the stories, he knows that Harry is his son and nobody else knows. So he's real pissed. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and in that one, he actually, he shows up after six year after Dumbledore dies and he shows up to Privet Drive to, you know, basically take Harry into his custody rather than the Battle of the Seven Potters and all that. And so he's basically bossing Petunia around and you know, it's just really funny. Oh, uh-huh. And Harry still doesn't know the truth. So he's confused about, okay, why is Snape doing this? Why is he suddenly on my side? Mm-hmm. Does he still want to kill him? Kill Snape? To, kill Snape, yeah. No, because he knows that Snape didn't murder Dumbledore. But uh, Snape does a oh. sleight of hand where the whole astronomy tower thing takes place. But Dumbledore dies a different way because Snape tricked him into it, essentially into giving away the the ruse. So okay. that's the story I mentioned that's both Snape Lily and Severitas. Severitas. Uh-huh. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Yeah. I think Severitis is good. It sounds a little bit like a disease, but yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Inflammation of the severus. Yeah, I wonder where that came from. I don't know. I think it was a somebody's username that started a challenge to write stories about Snape being Harry's dad. And then that's just what those types of fics are called now, I guess. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. I'm not sure where the username came from, but yeah, I, I think. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Anybody listening to this, I love that trope. If you know any good stories by that trope, please share them. Yes, please. 
<laughs> I bet it's in the deep dark days of fandom. Yeah, it was not, I it was not like before my time, but it was before my cognizant of the internet time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my Harry Potter time started in 2012, so I'm kind of a lake. I didn't realize well, it's weird. I listened to I listened to Snapecast. This this was another podcast that started in 2006. It's it's no longer here, but that was my one fandom thing that I did. I didn't get into fan fiction at that point or any sort of online. So I'm sorry I didn't, but there's still, there are so many cool people. Yeah. Absolutely. Like y'all. Thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> my problem was like in the early aughts, I was just too busy with other fandoms. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It took me a while to sure. even get Harry Potter. My mom was into Harry Potter at that point. <laughs> Do what? My mom was into Harry Potter at that point. <laughs> She's the one who got me into it. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My big thing from like 2004 to about 2008 was Lord of the Rings. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I got into a BBC show called Merlin for several years. Oh, yes. And I ran a fan site for Merlin. And my closest friend on that site, who's still a close friend, she was really into Harry Potter. So that's where that started. And it's funny because she's like, you've got to read this. You're going to love the Marauders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> that didn't work out quite like she that backfired. <laughs> <laughs> but she's still a friend. That's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. My friendships aren't based on different fandom differences. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Same. Yes, definitely. We're just with each other. We're just like, you have bad taste, but I still love you. Mm, yep. <laughs> so, okay. Next, we see them on Hogwarts Express. Yes, which should have been the most exciting moment of their lives. And Sirius and James had to just come shit all over it. Yeah, that and like Lily's upset about her fight with Petunia. And then James and Sirius come in. And oh my God, it kills me. It kills me because he's so excited. We see like little Snape so excited to go to school. And he really thinks this is going to be where he escapes from all his problems at home and then he just gets more problems immediately. It it breaks my heart. Yeah. And then that same day getting sorted into different houses, man, just imagine waiting for that day your whole life. And just like, it's one thing after another. I was say, I do love, I love in the sorting hat scenes is my favorite Lily moment. I don't know if this is jumping ahead. So stop me if it is, but (laughs) my favorite Lily moment is I have my book out here. She took off the hat, handed it back to Professor McGonagall and hurried toward the cheering Gryffindors. But as she went, she glanced back at Snape and there was a sad little smile on her face. Harry saw Sirius move up the bench to make room for her. She took one look at him, seemed to recognize him from the train, folded her arms and firmly turned her back on him. That's my favorite little moment of defiance. She recognizes the person who was messing with her friend and she's like, no, I do not want to talk to you. And that really, that moment, that's, I mean, it's a small moment, but I think that's one of the moments that clearly shows that she really genuinely did care for Severus and was friends with him and wasn't just it wasn't just a I I don't know what people are thinking it was but (laughs) absolutely and it never comes up in those anti-Lily analyses but it's my favorite little character moment for her Mm -hmm. yeah I wonder what her sorting what the hat was saying to her what that conversation was like was she saying put me in Slytherin and this hat's like no you don't want to go there I don't think the hat gives everyone a choice does it I, um, I mean, because sometimes it reacts so fast. That's true. I guess it depends. I know. Um, I don't think they let Muggleborns into Slytherin. 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's true. I, I mean, it sounds like they barely let half bloods in. So yeah, really, <laughs> half bloods with like problems with their Muggle parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see. Oh, oh, I forgot to talk about that. How Severus? You can see his prejudice against Muggles even from the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. My dad's such a horrible person, and it's because he's a muggle. I didn't, you know. Well, I'm not saying it's right, but when, like, basically his two main muggle contacts in life were, like, Petunia and his dad, I mean. Right. That would give someone a bad impression. You know, and underscore that with stuff his mom must have told him, and, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, like, I I mean, I think it, again, like, my analysis is also influenced by stuff I read, so if I'm not saying something that somebody else came up with, let me know, but I think it probably also partially comes from that sort of clinging to, like, himself being special, and maybe it's something that he has to tell himself, like, oh, these people are being, are treating me poorly, but at least I'm a wizard, and they're not, and that is very special and cool, so I had that kind of cling on to, and I'm sure it's something, and I mean, maybe for the marauders when they started to mess up him, that's something that he couldn't really tell himself and he has to just go with their Gryffindors and then sort of that is going to end up involving Lily and it just I could see it spiraling and especially in the Slytherin environment oh absolutely and I think that's part of the reason he seems so devastated even in that sorting hat scene because he understands he already understands the implications more than Lily does he knows it's going to be a bigger issue than she probably thinks it is. It's sad. My heart breaks for them. That's another reason why the ship is so appealing, though. It's like star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really. <true. laughs> it's like some Romeo and Juliet crap over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> house Slytherin and House Gryffindor. <laughs> really? Oh, true. Yeah. I. So many tropes. So many tropes I love. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, there's so many, but they manage not to be cliche. You know, it's still the story still feels so unique to them, and I love that. It's quite a few years later when we next see them. Yep. In the courtyard. Yeah, and I kind of hate that in a way because you know, not that I agree with them, but I think that gives the anti-Lily people fodder. Yeah. Because we don't really see much of the, you know, what led up to her getting that frustrated. It's just implied. And that does both of them an injustice, I think. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think, I think like you can sort of go in circles about whether what's actually put on the page like reflects what I think JKR was meaning to get across. And I tend to try to take like that narrative framing into account, but I understand if people don't. I mean, I think this is something that somebody said on, on um, something I said, but when she says, Sev, we're best friends, I think you are meant to take that at face value. I don't think it's supposed to be her like bringing him along or looking for an excuse to get rid of him or that sort of thing. But I can see because there's, I guess the prince's tale is sort of meant to be an explanation of why he did what he did, like the things that he regretted. But like, I think it, because you don't see a lot of those like pure friendship moments, it, it becomes difficult for people to understand that and understand like why he did so much of what he did, which is why like a lot of my stuff is just fluffy pure friendship moments. But I think that- that like little sorting hat moment is like one of those very subtle moments that shows that she really genuinely did care for him. Yeah. And there are other subtle moments that really show a lot about their relationship. If you, if you look for it, like that moment 
you know, the moment where she calls James a toe rag. And, right. and there's one point where I don't have the book with me, but there's one point where he looks at her intently and she like glances down and blushes. Kills me, slays oh. me. <laughs> to me, that's a very strong sign that there could have been something romantic if it had gone different. Absolutely. I, I love to headcanon her with a crush on him. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, girls generally don't do that with a guy they're not into. Right. If a guy you're not into stares at you intense, intently, you get creeped out and you kind of cross your arms over your chest or back away. That body language is strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that moment where she says, I know Jane's an arrogant toe rag and he walks away with a new spring in his step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so just silly teenager. I love it. It's so sweet. I know. And I, I love to headcanon her with a crush on him because I also just think the part of the, one of the other reasons I like Silly is, I, and, and this is just my own experience. So I'm not trying to speak for any other girl experience, but like, I feel like me personally, like I was always into like my friends, my male friends, my Same. nerdy male friends, Severus. Okay. And, <laughs> but I, and like, I just feel like that's more, I don't know, that's more appealing to me than like being into some random douchebag who hits on me. I don't know. <laughs> I had a whole gaggle of male friends all the way through high school that I had secret crushes on and I never breathed a word of it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't even matter how pretty you are or whatever, because no matter who you are, like as a girl and in those teenage years, you feel awkward in your own body and you're insecure and you don't understand things like crushes yet, really. So I think a lot of girls do kind of keep their mouth, you know, even when a guy obviously likes them. I mean, the two boyfriends I had in high school, they basically had to hit me upside the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) They had to like pursue me hardcore. And the thing is, Snape wouldn't have done that. No. <laughs> you know, but yeah. there, neither of them would have known, you know, and that's the other what could have been thing, because I think the potential was there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been confirmed by the author. Yeah. And... Yeah, it has actually that quote from her. Remember, I cling on to that one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny how we like cling to quotes of hers that like match our headcanon and we just reject the ones that don't. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like the stuff like, you know, she was the idea that, like she was in a James during Snape's first memory. OK, maybe that's what Jay here intended, but I think it's nasty and reminds me of the idea that like girls like secretly want you to harass them. So I just I throw that one out. <laughs> yeah. Like and this is for a different ship I also enjoy. But like about 10 years ago when she said in retrospect that she regretted putting her money with Ron, I was like, yes, because I always felt that way. Because when I'm not shipping Snelly, I'm shipping Severus and Hermione. So the, the thing that tr- the trips me out about her is sometimes she'll just come out with some wild stuff. That's so true. Like that thing about how wizards used to go to the bathroom <laughs> before toilets. Did y'all see that that's, one? That's horrible. I <laughs> and it's better than other stuff she could say but <laughs> it's like Clearly, but why did we need to know that we you didn't know? really need to know that <laughs> like if you're gonna share more background information tell us more about Snape's childhood or something come on yeah I'm gonna have to say what it was just for the sake of the listener thank you very much well you won't thank me but basically she said that they did their business where they stood and then just vanished the uh, evidence <laughs> it was so oh is that what (laughs) uh yeah that that was an odd one (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe she had one too many glasses of wine that night or something. Oh, there know. you go. <laughs> they probably shared a lot of classes, I think, because Slytherins and Gryffindors are always matched up in, in these classes for Harry. I love making them potions partners. <laughs> Yes. It's been so ingrained into my mind that I like forget it's fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That, I'm like that with a lot of things. Oh, that's something that is interesting that some people who are kind of anti Lily say is that I say this more in chemistry that she was just taking advantage of, of Severus's genius. Like, what basis is there for that? I think it's sexist. I'm just going to say that. Thank well, you. I, thank yes, you. I, I, I do think it's sexist. Yeah, so many, you know, I get, I have lovely reviewers on my story, but occasionally I get like a reviewer that's very anti-Lily and they'll just go through my stories and bash her chapter after chapter, no matter what she does. Yeah, that's, that, say, I, I'll just say that is why I turned off comments on my work in progress, mainly. <laughs> Well, no, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't care. I just, I just go back at them. I don't care. But, but you know, they will say the. <laughs> yeah, you, you have the stomach for yeah. it. Yeah, I said I don't like going back at people, but. <laughs> well, hey, if you're ever wanting to turn your comments back on, I'll go at them for you. I don't give a damn. <laughs> yeah, they will say the most sexist shit, and they will blame her for everything, like stuff she has nothing to do with. And I'm like, come on. And it's like, we're talking about a 15-year-old girl, and you expected her to do everything perfect, but then Severus gets a free pass for his mess-ups. You know, you can't have a, it's fair to say that they both made mistakes. That's fair. But to canonize either of them and just vilify the other is just, it's it's unrealistic, inaccurate. And in Lily's case, it's often sex. You know, just because she was beautiful doesn't mean she was shallow or a tease or a user. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, the fact that she was friends with him, but to begin with, even when he had very little to offer, proves the opposite. And even though there's this, I've heard that once people see you as a good student, you can get away with more. I'm sure that's true. (laughs) Which is, I think, maybe where this comes from. But she wouldn't have been able to pass her newts because that was an objective measure. No, I'm sorry. Why wouldn't she have been able to pass her newts without him? I mean, that that goes on the presumption that she was dumb. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you were saying. Yeah, that that she was able to because she did have she did have the talent Mm -hmm. or the knowledge or however you want to put it. I think it's perfectly plausible that both of them were equally good. And I like the, the first thing I wrote, which is not my favorite, but it has like sort of them encouraging each other both having ideas both getting really into it and I I like the idea that that could have been part of the basis for a friendship for them but I think I think it's perfectly plausible that Snape was no less talented than her but that I don't think I don't think he's the only reason she was talented either and I completely agree I think that's a good point that she couldn't have passed her newts without him if she wasn't already talented herself yeah, right. and I love the idea of them being basically on roughly equal ground, but having different strengths. You know, that comment about, I think Ollivander makes it to Harry about his mom's wand being good at uh, charms. That kind of planted the headcanon for me that she's that she was unusually talented at charm, you know, and I th- think that's plausible, you know, give her, give her a talent just like he has a talent. Right. You know, I mean... That's so important for female characters. You know, it just 
suggesting that they have to be dependent on a male character to get advantages or to help with their, you know, failing intellect or whatever. That's so sexist. It is. They want to cry. I mean, and that's part, you know, not to go off topic, but that's part of why we appreciate, you know, most of us appreciate Hermione because she was a strong female character and she, she didn't depend on Ron or Harry for any of her knowledge or her ingenuity or any of that. You know, it's so important right. to female characters like that. And unfortunately, we didn't get enough background information on Lily to see that at the same level. But why not presume it? Why not presume something positive instead of something negative and sexist? I agree. And I mean, Slughorn, I'll get, I will give Slughorn credit for one thing. And it's that he is like the one person to tell Harry about Lily <laughs> as opposed to James. And he says she was talented. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll believe him. <laughs> I mean, and he was self-serving, but, you know, in this case, you know, it kind of does prove what, what's true, you know? He was also prejudiced against muggleborns so that's true yeah and i mean let's not forget that uh, you know and so like james and lily defied voldemort three times which you know would have to imply that he wanted them in his service at some point why would he accept a muggleborn if she didn't have something exceptional to offer so oh snape's worst memory oh Oh, boy (laughs) pain (laughs) that's kind of I guess was the breaking point, but oh, it sounds like that the Marauders were constantly messing with Severus. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that's indisputable. I mean, Remus and Sirius even admit that as adults, you know, only when forced to, but still. <laughs> yeah, and they blame the victim, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I don't think we can overlook the fact that that was sexual assault. Yeah. You know, because Absolutely. it was. It was. And how people can call Snape creepy and a stalker and all this stuff that he never did. And yet, you know, boys will be boys when talking about James literally sexually assaulting him. I don't get that at all. But that moment's so sad. I mean, I would not excuse what Snape said. You know, it was awful. But when you're under that much duress and that humiliated, you know. I kind of I kind of give them both a pass for how they act in that scene because I'm sure it was just awful for I mean not I not on the same degree I think awful for her but I, but like I also can see sort of she's saying like you know she was telling her friends that he's not like the other Slytherins that he's like a good person and then he like calls her a mudblood in front of a whole crowd I can imagine that was very humiliating for her so I can understand why she kind of like acts like that yeah they were both under duress yeah oh so sad. <laughs> They were very young and they're, like you said, they're affected by all these negative outside factors, you know, and you can say, well, yeah, they were both wrong and they certainly should have apologized after the fact. But I don't think you can lose sight of the real villain in that scene, which was James Potter. Yeah. You know, yes. Nothing changes that. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Then he turns into a hero figure. That to me is the most implausible thing of all, you know, especially considering how short his life was. You expect people to believe that he changed that drastically between 15 and 21 with no, you know, the only reason people make drastic changes in that short of time is if something huge happens to them, something life-changing. And that didn't happen to James. He had no reason to become a better person. He, The only thing he had reason to, 
he could easily get by with just lying to Lily and he could still get everything he wanted. It is disgusting to me that their relationship is based on lies and that he's allowed to manipulate a woman and like still be seen as the right choice. It's, ugh, I hate it. I, I do think it's reasonably, I mean, this is something we don't see. So I don't think you could bring it up in arguments about James, which is what his fans like to do. But I could see, you know, maybe towards the end of his life when his life is getting threatened, maybe he thinks about the stuff he's done throughout his life. But that's only really towards the very end. And it's also not canon in any way. It's just me being perhaps overly charitable. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. People don't change just for the hell of it, not especially when they've been rewarded for their bad behavior their entire life. He treats Snape like shit. He, he gets the girl. Like what, what incentive is there to change? And he sees Lily and Lily is really treated as a prize and he, he wins this prize and uh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And besides, we see examples of his asshole behavior after Hogwarts too. Like with Vernon and Petunia and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, it seems like he's making her do... The fact that she just turns into like a wife and mother in her letter to Sirius just, it kills me. And that's her only identity. And she's the one who's staying at home with Harry. And he's the one who's like going out. And I I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Like after Snape, after her falling out with Snape, when do we see any mention of her having independent friendships? You know, once she gets with James, it's all about him and his friends. And she has no connections outside that. And the, the connection she does have with Petunia, he alienates her from that with his bad behavior. That's, I mean, sorry, but if you want to get really into it, that's textbook abuser behavior is isolating somebody. Yeah, I think... It, it, and one thing I, I sort of like about her character, and I need to do better than incorporating this in a fic, is that it seems, and it's not like, you know, explicitly stated, but it seems sort of implied that she is a, she's a girl and a, most of her friends other than Severus are also girls. Like she's sitting with the girls by the lake. And I, I like that because so many, the, I mean, like I love Hermione and everything. And, but I feel like a lot of the female characters in these books are like the friends of mostly guys and like the girls that are friends with mostly girls are like denigrated for being girly like lavender and parvati i don't know if i'm saying her name right but yeah um, like lavender brown yes exactly and that lily also is somebody who has mostly female friends but then we don't ever hear talk of them in that letter and yeah i don't i don't like that (laughs) i was kind of i don't want to say i gave a james a pass in obscura like my main story because i didn't but I went pretty, I went pretty mild with that story. But in my work in work in progress, the one that's Snelly and Severitis, I go in hard on James and it felt so good. Like I really um I did my own version of how he deceived her and manipulated her. And basically that, you know, a lot of him wanting to be with her had to do with getting back at Severus because he did seem to be obsessed with that, obsessed with driving them apart. And I think you can make a very plausible case for that. And in fact, I think it's more plausible than, you know, they were genuinely in love and would have lived happily ever after. You know, there were way too many red flags for that. Yeah. Poor Lily. Poor Lily. (laughs) She really (laughs) gets. She deserved better. Mm -hmm. But of course, so did Severus. Yeah. And I think that's, that's another element that attracts people to the ship I think is is they both had so much unfulfilled potential 
and just deserved better. And I think they could have given it to each other better than the rest of the people in their lives. So yeah, anyway, they leave Hogwarts and go about their Lily and James get married right away. And which is, that's another abuser thing. They want to put a ring on it, really. Yeah, that's another thing that bugs me. It make you a reason to stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, because this was like, you know, late 70s. It's not like this was the 50s. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think I guess I could see the whole war argument. But yeah, it's not, it's not my favorite uh, trope at all anyway. The whole, I mean, like the jock and the popular girl getting married right out of high school is just like, okay, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't do much for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people like that, they often have peaked at that point. Yep. Yes. James like, is a peaker. I don't think Lily would have been a peaker, and it's sad. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. She could have had some real opportunities. That seems to be a common thing in the series. Is you know, especially with the. You know, the generation above Harry and Hermione and Ron, you know, the parent generation is like most of them seem to have gotten married really young. And you see women mostly in traditional roles. Molly Re- Molly Weasley's a great example, you know, and you never hear about anybody being divorced ever. And True. that's that's one thing that always weirded me out. It's like, does divorce not exist in the wizarding world? You know, I don't get it. Because again, these books were written in the late 90s. Divorce was not controversial. No, it was pretty common by then. I mean, I like to think if Lily had lived, she would have divorced James like when when Terry was about two or three and gone on and lived her life. I, I don't think there's any way that relationship really could have lasted. And it wasn't like really based on much. I mean, I guess, you, you know, you could fill in the gaps if you want to write thick about them. But I mean, that's the other thing I like is, you know, Severus and Lily, that's that's a friendship that's based on common ground and a deep common connect. history yeah. and yeah and a connection yeah exactly yeah i'm i'm generally not a fan of love hate relationships you know like where one character starts out hating the other one right. and then like snap your fingers and they're in love like most of the time that's not believable to me i mean i can i can get it if it's like for really good reasons like a misconception about the person or whatever but in this case, Lily had valid reasons to hate James, and those reasons did not go away. It's just, oh, they were head boy and girl together. Woo. Yeah, and I think she thought he had changed in a way that Severus hadn't, but clearly he was just manipulating her. And I, ugh, it's so yeah. yeah. Yeah, and in fairness to her, she was very young and naive, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think she liked to think the best of people. Oh, yeah. Yes. Probably, yeah. That's why it took her so long to break with Severus, maybe. I don't know. I, I think so. I think so. And I think she I think she genuinely cared for him as a friend. And I mean, I know people people say like constantly, oh, she was looking for an excuse to drop him. But that conversation, I don't know, that conversation reads to me the complete opposite. Yep. <laughs> like she was, I can see that the actual thing that he did was under duress and it was like I understand why people are upset that she broke it off at that point because clearly he was so just humiliated and embarrassed and being assaulted and that he was under so much stress and that's why he said it and I think that's true but I think it's also just kind of cemented for her that he was going to be a death eater and there was nothing she could really do about that at that point and it's kind of a dangerous thing 
Yeah, that's the problem with being an omniscient reader is we know what happened. And in retrospect, we know that he probably would have backed off of the whole Death Eater thing if she had handled things differently. You know, we can know that because we know him as an adult, but she didn't have any of that knowledge. To her, it had to seem like, well, I've lost him to the dark side. Because in that in that scene outside of Gryffindor Tower, you know, you clearly see her giving him a chance. Like you're you want, you know, you want to join him, don't you? You know, if he had said no, you know, that was her test. If he had said no, you know, and that's why she says, You've chosen your way, I've chosen mine. If he had said no, I don't choose that, I don't want to do that, I guarantee she would have reacted differently. That was the lit litmus test. No, it wasn't about her just wanting to drop him. It was about her wanting nothing to do with Voldemort, which is fair considering her position. Yeah. On the other hand, he probably had to make friends in Slytherin as a matter of survival. Oh, he certainly did. But, you know, you can't, I don't think you can expect her as an outsider to fully understand those dynamics either. And she gets a lot of hate for that because, well, he had to do this and he had to do that. But in her position, she doesn't have the lived experience to understand what he was going through. She just doesn't. And, you know, he didn't have the wherewithal at that age to tell her, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, would he? And I mean, Severus is a very proud character, even at that age. I mean, you think he you honestly think he would have told her, well, I'm scared and I feel vulnerable and I feel like I have no other choice than to be friends with these people. Of course, he wouldn't have said that. Yeah. 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 I really think like. I truly think one of the things that tore them apart is like gender expectations as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he would not have, he would, and, and I think the other thing that Snape's first memory is that he's feeling like emasculated because James essentially is saying you need a girl to save you. And that really set him off. And I think he wouldn't, he wouldn't have wanted to be like emotionally vulnerable to her like that or admit that he had, that he, he had like those vulnerabilities. He had those fears. And I think that and I think it's probably something that she couldn't fully understand and I don't think he could really fully understand you know what it's like to be like girl either but yeah it's just circumstances very 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 sad toxic masculinity hurts everybody absolutely and that's a prime example of it of course again that's you know James deserves the blame there much more than he does because James took advantage because James knew what he was doing even if Lily didn't fully understand James did absolutely Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, James is like the embodiment of toxic masculinity, in my opinion. <laughs> and he's, he, yeah, he, he is exactly the one that says that, and that set everything off. And I think he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. There's no way he did it. And he did that, I think, to specifically drive them apart. I think it was more than just, hey, there's Snape, let's go bully him. I think there was an ulterior motive to all that bullying. I think he knew at some point that it would work to his advantage and drive them apart. Because, you know, for all his less than stellar qualities, James always struck me as a very smart character. I agree, yeah. Very smart and very manipulative. I'm sorry to keep trashing on James. I know. (laughs) Just such a huge part of their story. I mean, he has a huge effect on everything that happens to both of them. That's another reason for all the ship wars is because it's so yeah. hard to separate. Mm-hmm. I'll admit I'm not a fan of any of the Marauders. So. Me neither. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, listeners who ship them or enjoy them. Yeah, I do have some readers that are, you know, love Remus, you know, and I get it because he does have some good points, but I just 
I see I see too much of the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people are going to focus on sort of what they want out of each character. I like, I mean, I'm not a James fan, but I like the others just fine. But I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to read fan fiction about them because I'm not terribly, I'm like very narrowly focused on Severus, but... <laughs> But I don't, I don't, I'm fine with them. They, I think they're interesting characters. I think they have, they have a good, they're good sides, but James, we just don't even really get enough of. I think he was probably a good friend on some level, but I don't, I just think he, the way he acts to both Severus and Lily is just disgusting. I mean, that's kind of the genius of his character because in real life, people aren't all black and white. You know, you can be really good to some people and really shitty to others. And that's also a point I bring up with Severus's character. Because there are so many people, usually the people who hate him, that assume that just because he was shitty to Harry, he he was hateful toward all children or everyone. And there's not really any evidence for him just mistreating students as a whole. There's really not. No, there's not. And I mean, we know that he never mistreated Lily other than that slip of the tongue at the lake. I mean... Other than that, I mean, he tried to be as good to her as possible. So to paint him as a, like a vicious bully just to everyone who crossed his path is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they part ways and somehow get through school. Sometimes I think maybe she would say something to him. That's my headcanon. I, I don't like to think of that moment outside of the tower as their absolute last encounter. It's too painful. I like to imagine longing looks across like the Great Hall and stuff. I guess I see them as maybe saying something about the classwork or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Things that aren't personal. Yeah, I can see Lily being like coldly civil and Severus just kind of going along with it because he feels like he has no choice. I don't think he would push for anything beyond that. Yeah, I think she would initiate any interactions between them. Absolutely. And, you know, there's another thing about that gap between their falling out and her death, especially at Hogwarts, is sometime in that, like, what, five, six years, they both lost their parents, or we know she did. Now, if you assume that he had some relationship with her parents as well, which would make sense, that would have had an impact on him, too. Now, yes, yes. And that's actually the first chapter of my Severitis story is actually her at her parents' funeral. Because we never know how they die, so I, you know, I made it a drunk driving accident, you know, that they were hit. Oh, okay. You know, because to me that gave extra poignancy to Petunia's lie about what happened to Lily. Oh, yeah. yeah. So a bit of parallel there. I have, you know, I have that funeral and in that story, and I know this is pure headcanon, but in that story, the person she wants is Severus. Because he's the one who has that background, who knows her parents, who would understand that loss more than anybody at Hogwarts would, you know. But tragically, James comes between them too much. And, you know, at that point, they can't really reconnect. So that doesn't happen until later. But yeah, I mean, we know she lost her parents. And what happened to his parents? That's what's always confused me. Because we know he ended up with the house. And I mean, I suppose he... You know, he could have lost his parents in his 20s or 30s, even early 30s, even. But we just don't see that. Right. We just know that they're not around. Yeah. By half-blood prince. Yeah. One of my headcanons, sometimes headcanons, is that his mom is still alive. Oh. The, the, you know, the premise for that, you know, my headcanon 
is that Tobias dies of like cirrhosis or something because it's very plausible to think he was an alcoholic. And so he dies and she she's at the point where she's like, I've had enough of this muggle crap. And she goes off to live with some distant relative somewhere. And she's like, you can keep the house. And that he visits her occasionally on breaks. So that's nice. Yeah. I mean, I just wish J.K. Rowling had given us some something on that. Because it's so weird. You know, all these characters that are in their, like, freaking 30s in, in the books. You know, the Marauders and Snape and all these other characters. All their parents are dead. And most of them, you have no idea why. And, you know, it doesn't make that. That wouldn't make sense even for muggles in their 30s, but wizards who live significantly longer is weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, they had they had to make Harry an orphan, I guess. So that was, they had to get the grandparents out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for Harry. It doesn't make sense for a lot of the other characters, mm-hmm. you know. True, yeah. But on the other hand, you can only write about so many, so I get it. Mm-hmm. She had a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Okay. So they leave Hogwarts and I don't know if they say graduate in England or how they put it when they complete. The, apparently they don't have graduation ceremonies. No, but on the other hand, you know, I, I play a little fast and loose with stuff like that because this is a fictional school, you know. It's oh, sure. Not like a regular English school. So I, I don't know. I just say they graduated. It can have different traditions. Yeah, That's what I love about Hogwarts stories is that I don't even have to research anything. Just they can do what they want. It's a fantasy world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten scolded a few times for like British stuff I overlook, but I I always use that as an excuse. I'm like, there's freaking dragons in this story. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to be 100% correct on everything. But yeah, so they leave Hogwarts and... She's a teenage bride. Mm-hmm. He he's doing stuff with the Death Eaters. Yeah, waste of potential for both of them, I think. Huh? I said waste of potential for both of them. I no, think. yes, I like to think that that's the only way he could get a a potions apprenticeship mm. was I've... to yeah join and use their influence and and funds. I guess I've heard that headcanon, and I like it. Anyway, he does become a Death Eater, and then he's spies on Dumbledore Mm -hmm. and he hears another very gray character Mm -hmm. oh yes the master manipulator yeah yeah I don't know um it's it's interesting that uh, some people think that the prophecy doesn't necessarily refer to a child Mm -hmm. but I don't know I say born is the what what was it the eighth month dies seventh month yeah seventh. oh yeah that's right right july I, I know people make the whole born versus born with an e thing i i also tend to agree that i would personally hear that as born in the more typical sense without the e i guess you could say it could could really be anybody who was born at the end of july not necessarily like a baby like being born right Mm -hmm. but I don't know whether he thought I meant a child at all I don't I mean I don't think he I think clearly don't think he knew it was about Lily or anybody related to Lily (laughs) no he would have never done that if he had thought he was putting Lily at risk you know oh no 
it, it, anybody who thinks otherwise understands nothing about his character. Yeah. He would chew off his own leg first and do something like that. Yeah. 100%. I think it was a case of he didn't really understand what it meant, but he ne- and he didn't really get the implications. He just knew it would please Voldemort and help him. And I think he delivered it without really thinking, you yeah. know? Yeah. I was told to spy. I'm spying. I heard some information. Here you go. I think it was very straightforward. Not, ooh, who am I killing? Yeah. Right. You know, again, that's another example of where the readers know a lot more than the character does and have the benefit of hindsight. So true. Uh, just imagining how he felt when he realized, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, he obviously felt a lot of guilt, anguish. If he was brave enough to go to Dumbledore as a Death Eater. Oh, yeah. I mean, he knew he could easily be killed. Right. And it didn't matter. You know, if there was one on iota of a chance that he could save Lily, he would have gladly died for that. I I mean, I think we can interpret his Death Eater years in a number of ways. I he, he was probably maybe getting a little bit disillusioned with it at that point. I think... Mm-hmm. I agree. It's because I don't think it was really a, the best use of his potential because he just ends up being like a servant to somebody else, basically. Right. And I think he could have been realizing that. I think he's fairly averse to physical violence in the as a teacher, uh, like at, at a level that other teachers aren't. I mean, McGonagall will like drag students by their ears or whatever. And he doesn't other than after Harry views his memory, he doesn't really lay a hand on anybody. Um, and I think he maybe could have realized that, that the sort of the violence that they committed was too much for him to stomach, all sorts of things. But I think he probably knew that if he left, he could die. And I think Lily being threatened, he, he did not care if he died, if he just, if he could, if he could save her. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is another thing that especially Snape haters get wrong. And okay. Another thing I'm really into is cults. Like I love studying cults. Mm, There's yeah. a very good qu- quote that from, um, a documentary called The Vow, I think is what it's from. But it's like, it's no one joins a cult, they join a good thing. And I think people forget that in Severus's, you know, when Severus was a teenager, Voldemort wasn't like the snake-eyed monster that was out openly killing everybody. He was, he was winning people over with manipulation and propaganda and persuasion. You know, and it would be very easy for characters as young as Severus to buy into the good stuff and kind of dismiss the bad as rumor. You know, I mean, obviously he knew that there was the undercurrent of supremacy, but as for how truly dark and violent it was, I don't think he could have possibly known that. He was a a child sheltered at school and Voldemort was not acting openly in the way he was in the latter Harry Potter books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not completely excusing his decision to join. I'm I'm saying I think he honestly did it under at least partially false pretense. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And I think I think the same thing about Lily, like marrying James. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think she knew the full extent of what the Marauders are doing. I mean, clearly she at least doesn't know the werewolf prank. I, and of course, she doesn't listen to him about it, which is probably, I think, the worst thing she does. But but I think they both didn't really fully understand what they were getting into. <laughs> and it's very, very sad yeah and that's that's exactly it and that's something I explore in that Severitis story is like she marries James and he's with the death death eaters and I show him getting gradually disillusioned like you said and the same thing happening with her and James and it's that 
shared disillusionment that brings them back together. I love that. Yeah, I love to think of that happening if she had lived, you know. Yeah. Both learning from their mistakes and coming together older and wiser where they're mature enough to handle a real relation. Because, I mean, realistically, it's not plausible. Most people who get together at 16, 17, 18, it's very rare that that lasts. <laughs> like vanishingly rare. <laughs> Here's something I, I've always wondered, actually. Did Lily ever know that he switched sides? Oh, oh. I don't know. I haven't really thought of oh. thought that far. <laughs> well, I mean, we know he switched sides and almost immediately started teaching at Hogwarts. I mean, would she have heard that he was teaching at Hogwarts and, you know, filled in the blanks? Huh. <laughs> I feel like I think JKR has said something to the effect of that she had been considering reconciling with him when she had heard the work he was doing for the order I have no like source for that so I don't know if that's true but I think it's really quite interesting and it, I think it just makes her death like infinitely sadder than it already is <laughs> yeah well you don't have to have a source I'll still choose to believe it I mean <laughs> as as sad as it is I would prefer that to her dying still believing he was a villain that's true yeah, that's, that's, you know, whether she said it or not, that's just my new headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, thank you. <laughs> new headcanon. So, okay, then, alas, it didn't work, and Lily and James were killed. You know, that's one, you know, overall, I strongly prefer the books, but that's one thing I love in the movies that is not in the books, is that scene where he shows up at the house, and he's cradling her body. That kills me every time. It's, it's, yeah, it's very emotional. I hate that people like make it into a creepy thing. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, Cause I love it. They're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I actually did an art piece of that scene, but with the book characters as I see them. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody, somebody, and I posted it on Tumblr and somebody <laughs> left a comment. Like, I can't even remember what they said, but it was so nasty. It's like, you know, violating a dead woman's corpse. <laughs> what? Like, oh my god like yeah and i mean as if that hasn't been like in other movies i mean they cry over like cedric's body too so get get off your high horse what i say it's like man that that takes a sick mind and some serious mental gym, gymnastics oh and and he's you know letting the baby cry the baby's like, fine <laughs> the baby is in a crib it, he is safe yeah and, and i mean i'm sure he knew that somebody would be along to rescue the baby. I mean, that's not like, <laughs> it's not like he's like, you stay here and die, you know? Yeah. I, I think with the logistics and everything that he couldn't have been there, but I, I don't have the references for that. Yeah. Logistically, it's a stretch, but it's just, mm -hmm. it's just such a heart-wrenching it, it scene. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rickman played played that really really good. Oh, Alan Rickman ate that up. I yes. <laughs> love that. I love seeing him as a and and because especially throughout the rest of the movies, you know, he's just this cold, unfeeling guy. And I just love the Prince's Tale giving him that humanization, that emotion, and the fact that when we see and in the book, obviously too, but when we see in the movies, especially like I know people kind of bitch about they should have gotten somebody younger, and I see that too, but. I I love seeing Alan Rickman crying to Dumbledore. It, it he just really it really packs packs that punch and 
I love it. <laughs> yeah, Alan Rickman was perfect for for the movie depiction. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I did not love the actress they chose to play with Lily. You know, because I could buy him being younger in those scenes. You know, because I always kind of picture Snape looking like you know worn and hard living and stuff. You know. But Lily, I mean, she looks like she's in her 40s in that scene where Harry's a baby. And I I just don't have the, cogn- uh, you know, the dissonant, what's the word? Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah, that- yeah. It takes me out of it, you know. But she did she did fine with the part. I mean, you know, I just picture her differently. That's all. Yeah. Uh, if, if they had initially got gotten younger actors to play James and Lily. Yeah. Then 10 years later, yeah. I mean, I oh, think she wouldn't look 40. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really even think about that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, personally, if they were going to do that show, you know, Snape at the house and then Snape crying in Dumbledore's office, I think they should have used the teenage actors who played them and just aged them up a little oh, bit. Oh, right. Oh, good point. Oh, that, that actor who played teenage Severus, he was gorgeous oh he was good. yes yes oh he's so my tumblr profile picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was he was oh. a good choice he looked really good they didn't have a teenage lily huh they didn't have a teenage lily she's not in that scene oh that's true they cut snape's first memory so short in the movies oh my girl she gets shafted <laughs> <laughs> poor snape at the end of all this is i mean it's tragic that lily passed and everything and that one of their friends turned on them, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, I think we've pretty much covered that, that part of the outline. What I'm thinking about is what happens after that. Okay. Yeah. He's in Dumbledore's office. Mm-hmm. And that's when the whole thing comes up. That's when his redemption arc begins. And he deserved a redemption arc. So mm-hmm. fuck y'all that think mm-hmm. he doesn't. They're probably yeah. not listening anyway. So, <laughs> yep, fuck them. <laughs> but um, you know what I often think about with that scene is all those years before Harry shows up. I mean, because you know, in the books and the movies, we see you know we only see that and ten years later. You know, I think a lot about the eighties. Right. Like, what was eighties Snape like? You know, he's just going through the motions, teaching waiting for this kid to grow up enough to come to Hogwarts. You can't help but wonder what his life was like. It's right. You know, I mean, just having to go on with his life when his grief was still so fresh. Yeah. And I mean, he was actively teaching at that point. So he'd, he'd have to just keep going to going to class. Yeah. Oh, God. And being yeah. head of house. I, I, I don't think he got any bereavement leave. No, no, no. And and like, you know, like Snail just said, I mean, going back to that house at Spinner's End, mm-hmm. you know, every time he went home, he had to, everywhere he looked, he would have seen childhood memories with Lily. Oh, yes. Oh, my know? God. And I think that's part of the reason he didn't leave. I'm, I'm sure it made him feel worse, but he didn't want to escape from that grief because he felt like he deserved it. So I think, I think there was a real masochistic edge to his character. You know, and staying in that house is just symptomatic of that because he could have gone anywhere. Yeah, I think I think he's he is one of the most emotional characters in the series. And I think it's it's interesting because his main like magic thing is hiding all that. But I think there's there's a lot of 
turmoil below the surface and a lot of love below the surface. And he's just very, very human. And that's one thing I really love about his character. Yeah, I love exploring that in ways that go beyond the books or the movies because there's so much potential. I mean, you could write other characters like going all out for love and it wouldn't seem believable, but you can write Snape doing anything in the name of love and it fits perfectly. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's tragic in canon, but when you take it and make it something a little happier, it's it's so fulfilling. And I'm yeah. sure you feel that, Snape, when you write um, Snape. Snail, <laughs> snape, snail, snape, tape, <laughs> whatever, the tongue twist. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure you feel that. When, I'm sure you feel that when you write your fluff. Yes. Because <laughs> it's so Absolutely. much emotion and so much happy emotion. And, you know, and also because he's one of those characters who, you know, would never, ever take love for granted or the good moments for granted. And that makes them so much more meaningful. I love him so much. <sighs> Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say one other thing about the depth of his character. I have had many other favorite characters through my life, and I've only been obsessed with them for like two or three years max. I've been obsessed with this dude for 10 years, and I'm nowhere near tired of him. And that's a testament to what an amazing character he is. Oh, so true. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about his Patronus. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, the fact that such a, you see this foreboding, dark guy who never, everybody's thinking, he, he doesn't seem like he feels anything. And then this Patronus is just this, like, one of the softest animals in the animal kingdom. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love the whole Patronus thing. And I love it when, when people use that to try and claim that James and Lily were soulmates, you know, because his right. was a stag. And it's like, you know what stags do? They rut and then they leave. Oh, so true. <laughs> yeah, I love the matching Patronus thing. Yeah, me too. Plus, plus, you know, that also gives snary people um, some. <laughs> it what? Oh, because Harry is a stag and and Snape is a doe. Yeah. It's like snary. Oh, it's right there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They tried. <laughs> the, oh. the jelly people, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that about them running and leaving, though. That's, yes, <laughs> it's it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, in the, you know, in the, the lake scene where he puts the sword of Gryffindor in, in the pond. I'm sorry, it's a pond. I wish we um, could have actually seen that scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, like yeah. seeing Snape actually do it. I can't imagine what was going through his head. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> My brother spoiled um, <laughs> spoiled the arc for me by accident because I guess he had found some sort of character encyclopedia and he hadn't gotten to this point in the book yet. And I had gotten to the Silver Doe scene, but not like the ending ending. And he was like, this thing says Snape's Patronus is a doe. What does that mean? Because he was like a little kid. Oh. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, total total oh. side tangent there. Sorry about uh. that. <laughs> oh, don't feel bad. I spoiled the whole series from the get-go. Like in, in 2012, I didn't even know what happened. Like I had avoid, I had missed all spoilers. But when that friend recommended them and got me to start reading, she's like, you know, the minute I started telling her I like Snape, she's like, don't read ahead. Don't look at spoilers. And I immediately went on Wicca. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh no. I spoil everything for myself. Oh. I like that instant gratification. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the opposite. I, I just love to get the surprise or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like it both ways. I mean, one of my regrets for getting into the fandom so late is I, I missed out on all that like breathless anticipation for the next book, especially yes. after Half Blood Prince, because I've read all oh, the speculation, yeah. like a lot of speculation fic from back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I would have been so into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mama, that was like. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I I guess is that point that even 17 years after, I think it was 17 years after Lily's death, is that yeah. he has love that strong that makes such a beautiful Patronus. I know. Is yeah. So yeah. what was the nature of that? And I guess I've read a little bit about courtly love as you know, that a knight would often love some unattainable lady woman it's natural that it would change to that after her death i mean because you know romantic love which more often than not is also sexual love i mean it's really hard to feel that for somebody who's dead you know so it, it does have to it has to become more abstract and you kind of put that person on a pedestal where they're more like they're more like a deity than a human you know I mean, not saying that he worshipped her, but, you know, it, it is kind of like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, not acknowledging their negative attributes. Uh, that's a horrible way to say that. There no, must I know be what better. you mean. Okay. No, it, it, like dead people can't make mistakes and, and you don't want to think of them that way. I think, I, I think she was overall at least tried to be a good friend to him. And I think that's probably what he chose to focus on to really keep him going on. Oh, yes. Yeah, because he didn't have a lot to no, no. look forward to. Well, the courtly love thing brings up another interesting question, or at least interesting to me. And that question is, did Snape die a virgin? Mm. Oh, it, yes. That is the eternally debated question. <laughs> everybody has a different theory, and I'm always interested to hear them because they do directly connect to his love for Lily and how you perceive that. So you say yes, Snail? I... Yeah, I say yes. I think I just don't think it's something that he would have gotten into. I mean, I can't really see him if, if being in the right emotional state to really want to <laughs> do that. And I but I'm not really married to a headcanon on that. I like I could be convinced otherwise. I mean, I could maybe see him sort of in his like reeling emotional state, not after her death. I mean, after like when um he's like a death eater and like before she dies, um, like late teens, early 20s, I could see some casual thing that he does just because he's like acting out and he doesn't know what to do. But I'm really not married to it either way. I do tend to think in canon that he probably did die for him, yes. Mm-hmm. How, how about you? Well, I think the theaters probably got up to some <laughs> things yeah. that maybe he couldn't avoid. But even without that, if he it could have he could have died a virgin. Mm-hmm. But he also could have had some transactional well, some transactions, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, very casual or paying for sex. That's my thought, because I can see it either way. But, I, you know, I also look at the way male, se- male sexuality works more often in general. And this isn't true for all males, but generally speaking, males are able to compartmentalize yes. more and see it as purely physical 
you know, and especially if you assume correctly, I'm sure that his love for Lily turned into courtly love, then fulfilling some primal sexual urge wouldn't necessarily be a betrayal or competition with that. So I can see him, you know, I'm sure by the time Harry got to Hogwarts, he had too much, too many other things. Right. But I can see. (laughs) Yes, he didn't have the time. (laughs) But that's one of my 80s headcanons, you know. He's still young, so his libido is, you know, peak age. And, you know, he's got all those long, lonely years at Hogwarts. And if you assume that there are sex workers in the wizarding world, which I would because sex workers are everywhere, you know, I can see him doing things on occasion purely for physical release, just completely detached from it, you know, just like stress relief, you know, because men, most men need that in one capacity or another, you know, and he was just under so much pressure all the time, you know, so I can see that happening. Now, I do not think for a second that he slept with anybody he actually had feelings for, because I don't think he had the capacity to love anybody else as long as he was stuck in that guilt trap, you know, and that's a challenge that at least I personally run into writing him with, say, Hermione, is that that guilt has to be resolved before it's plausible to me. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely think there's certain circumstances in which it could have been. I mean, after the war, it was if he, if he lived, I, I think they talked about this in the, I think you guys talked about this in the Snape Lives episode, but if he lived and sort of he was able to heal in a certain way. I could, I could see that being a possibility. Yeah. He, he would have had to feel like he had truly fulfilled his promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's one thing I gave him in my, in my, I do have one Snape Hermione story. And that's the one thing I gave him. I had to completely wrap that up before I was satisfied. Oh yeah. Because when you don't, I think it does a disservice to his character and the depth of his feelings, you know? And even in that story, he doesn't start, stop loving her. It's just that love kind of transforms again. But I have trouble with that with, with uh, some other stories that I've read where it's very dismissive of Lily and, oh, she was just a friend and I'm over it now. Yeah. <laughs> with no real resolution or reckoning with his guilt. And I'm like, I'm like try harder. Yeah, I agree with, with you. Absolutely. Yeah, that or like, or just, I mean, it's that or like, straight up bashing her like oh actually she was awful and I I shouldn't have liked her at all so I'm gonna like this other person instead yeah I think I think it does a disservice really to both their characters and and really to who whoever he's being shipped with because I think they should be able to stand on their own merits without having to put somebody else down this is probably a good time to start talking some fics huh yeah let's get I feel bad because I've already brought mine up multiple times. Well, that's all right. Why don't you Why don't you tell us the names of them? That so we can we will have links to all these fix, of course. Okay. Well, my um my main completed work and the one most most people have heard of in the Snape fandom who've actually read it, Obscura Nox Anime, which is Latin for the Dark Knight mm. of the Soul, and the story basically follows canon in which Lily ostensibly dies and Snape goes on with his life like in canon. But what he doesn't know is that she actually survived. And the way she survived, it's it's complicated. It's better explained in the story. But she's hit by this ancient spell that basically keeps her soul alive and she's able to transfer to animals. So wow. she lives in different animal form for years until he finally figures it out and 
he's challenged with working on a way to bring her back. But meanwhile, the war's heating up and he's becoming more and more constrained. And yeah, it gets messy, but in a good way. That's a long story. That's like, that's almost the link of, uh, length of a Game of Thrones novel. It's <laughs> Oh, wow. And my other two, um, Snape Lily, are if people are into like their teenage years, those stories would work better because that first one is specifically them as adults. For the teenage ones, I have a one shot which Snail read for me like a week ago. It's um, called Your Way and Mine. And the premise is they've already had their falling out, but they end up meeting one more time over winter break because she finds out that his father died and she comes to give him sympathy and they kind of hook up and it's all complicated and bittersweet and stuff. And it's left kind of open-ended. I'm not sure whether I'm going to turn it into a multi-chapter, but I might. And then the last one is the one I've referenced repeatedly, which is the Severitis. The first half of that story is the gradual building of Severus and Lily's relationship. It starts right after they're falling out. You know, um, she ends up with James, he ends up as a Death Eater, but they find their way back to each other. And James is like, if you like villain James, this is a good story <laughs> for that. They actually end up having an affair, which is how Severus ends up being Harry's father, but he doesn't know that for until like Half-Blood Prince. So oh. when he finally finds out, it's very emotional and he basically has to win Harry over and help him win the war. And, you know, that brings in all sorts of things like, you know, he knows he can't, he knows he's not willing to be framed as Dumbledore's murderer because then he would have no chance with Harry. It's him like maneuvering his way around that and kind of outwitting Dumbledore and, you know, doing the work to reconcile with Harry. And it's, it's, a, you know, the first half is very angsty and emotional with Severus and Lily. And the second half is very angsty and emotional with Severus and Harry. But yeah, that's my main three. And they're on fanfiction.net and archive of their own. And they will be on my own Snape, Snape side if I ever bring it Great. back. That sounds like some good fix to dig into. How about you, Snail? Yeah. So all my fic is just on archive of our own. I mostly write one shots. I mostly write fluff and I mostly write their teenage years. So I have a kind of a narrow focus. I know. Um, I do have a couple stories where they're adults and I have a few gen stories as well. I have one pre-Hogwarts that's not a ship story, but my work in progress is called Mr. Always Wins. It's a line from a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but <laughs> it basically is canon divergence where um, in their seventh year, they bring the Triwizard Tournament to Hogwarts and Snape ends up entered in the tournament and eventually gets with Lily. And the whole crux of the plot is sort of that James and J I mean, I'm, maybe it's not, it's kind of a little convoluted, but whatever. I needed it. To, I needed it for the plot. It's, it's fic. It's fine. It's for fun. Um, and is that James and the Marauders like through saying to the goblet as like a prank. And so it, then he ends up chosen because maybe things will work out, you know, and, and I know they say in the, in the book in the actual goblet of fire book that the goblet chooses the most worthy person and i was like well who's worthier of a better chance at life than than snape i think <laughs> and uh so he ends up chosen and lily does not yet know that that's what the marauders did because in canon james tells her he stopped and even though he hasn't <laughs> so 
I tried to sort of go with that premise. And it, it's, I haven't updated it for a little while because I'm very busy with university, but, but there you have it. That's probably the main thing people might know me for. <laughs> All right. This sound good. And of course we will link them. I keep saying that because I want everybody to go to our Fic Rex page. Okay. Do you have works by other people that you like? Yeah, so I do. Anybody who finds my AO3 page is free to go to my bookmarks, which I'll have TBRs, but also um, Rex for stuff that I like. But one, one thing I can think of off the top of my head, that's a bit more on the angsty side and it's not totally a ship story, but is it was written for a Snape Tober on uh, on Tumblr by uh, my dear friend Emily of uh, Foolish Wand Waving and a listener of this podcast. <laughs> and it oh. was sort of <laughs> hello, yes. hello Emily. Um, it was sort of about him sort of having a dream about her, but it was very it was angsty in a very poignant, very simple way with very few words. So I was I was very impressed, and it. It got me. It got me in the heart. So that's one of them that I would have. Um, I think a couple other ones off the top of my head. And these are all teen years recs. So if anybody has more adult recs, please, please add those in. Um, was called uh, Sweet Root, which was a one shot. I mostly have time to read one shots these days. So I apologize that I don't have as many long fix in my recs. But that was a one shot that was sort of about them kind of <laughs> like if if they didn't fall apart, then kind of like awkwardly getting into a relationship, awkward <laughs> sexual tension. That's kind of, kind of just adorable in my opinion. And another one that I liked that was sort of in a similar vein, but a little, a little sadder. And there's always sort of that undercurrent of Severus's life as well was called a Gryffindor heart. And that was a, another, um, another one shot that I really liked. Nice. And and you Heather Lee? I actually don't have that many recommendations because I haven't actually read fic in quite a while. I'm kind of behind on it and a lot of the fics I used to like, I've forgotten the names and I forgot to bookmark them and I'm I'm bad and I need to be better about that. But one story I would absolutely recommend is called Come Once Again and Love Me by Lavent Adorn because that, that is the story that ex- that inspired me to write Severus and Lily in the first place. And it's excellent. Great. And it has a happy ending. I heard nothing but good things about that fic. And that author's meta on Tumblr about Lily was very, very good. So I, I, I will, I've never read that one in particular. It's definitely on my list, but I will endorse that. <laughs> well, to be fair, I haven't read it in like seven or eight years, but I remember it being a pretty quick read. Yeah. One of my friends has read it and like in real life and said it was very good. Mm-hmm. What I will say in general is if you've never read Severus and Lily, take a chance on any story because it's a ship that has, I don't understand why, but it has a smaller ridership. You know, there's less stories for Severus and Lily than other ships, but most of the ones I've read are worth it and the authors deserve recognition and encouragement. So, you know, just try any story, see what you think. Yeah, I I see there was one Sino 9 recommended the Potions Mistress. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Trying to read My Sky 2. <laughs> I'm sorry to mangle up your name, but we will link to this. It um, sounds like it's a role reversal with Lily Evans being alive. Harry's looking up at the staff table at Professor Quirrell. Talking to a teacher with dirty red hair hanging 
around her sickly pale face like a curtain with poisonous green eyes and Harry's scar starts hurting so who goes up from there that's I feel like that's a really really interesting example of framing as well because I feel like the way she frames Snape's features in the series is sort of to add to his sinister nature but you can really do that with anything any sort of features even ones that are more conventional like that I really like that opening well that's why I've always disagreed with the assumption that Snape is ugly because we only see him described through Harry's perspective and Harry doesn't like it. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think any of his features are inherently like ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's funny in the Half-Blood Prince, the uh, Spinner's End chapter. Yes. He is not described that way at all. That's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And of course, I always say that's Severus that is sexiest. <laughs> in, in <that. laughs> oh my gosh. You're not wrong. <laughs> he's always sexy yeah oh he is yes it's those brains man i don't you know oh yeah it's like talk potions to me please (laughs) (laughs) okay well i think we did a good job of this topic i hope so Uh, yeah (laughs) and thank you for joining me today heatherly you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yes. And snail or snail. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Snape snail tape. Thank you so much for having me on and for making the effort to say my ridiculous username. <laughs> lovely. Well, yeah, they aren't usually spoken as the, <laughs> that's true. Right. They're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're red. So. That's why I didn't know how to pronounce severitis because I've never actually said it out loud. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Y'all have a good good day, and we'll uh, hopefully talk again soon. Great. Yeah, anytime. Okay. Thank you so well, much. Take care. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. You too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Thank you, Heatherly and Snail, for the excellent talk. And here we must say goodbye. We wish we didn't have to, but it hasn't escaped our notice that life isn't fair. Many thanks to Nix for her continued work on our new website at snakechatpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Tumblr and Twitter, email us, or leave a voicemail. We really want to hear from you. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shippers podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay smart.